the following talk is a reflection on the words that Lourdes got from the Lord when she asked how members of the community should relate and engage with the world. I broke it down into six points, so I'm going to just say it and then go through the six points. This is what she received as an answer from the Lord regarding this. My little one, it is not the way that I am seeking for these end times. In other words, it's not uh, retreating or separation from the world. Satan will be defeated by heroic acts of love united to my perfect sacrifice of love. I need souls willing to live in the world, but not of the world. Souls who receive the brokenness of other souls and suffer for them as one with me solely for love, souls immersed in the darkness of this world to fight as my soldiers of light against the demons of hell. These are my hidden victim souls in the world, living through me, with me, and in me. My little one, Satan will try many tactics to move your hearts from the desire of my heart. I am forming you, you in plural, as warriors of the great battle. So that's the message. And uh, pondering it, the first line, the Lord says that, um, he defeated Satan or that Satan will be defeated. But how did Jesus defeat Satan? Because we're not going to do it any other way than the way of Jesus, right? So we have to be one with the Lord to defeat Satan. And what I realized, um, that the Lord has been telling us since the beginning in the community that we are in a battle, but the things are not going to unfold as we may imagine. So the battle is not like uh, the wild, wild west. It, it's a battle that we have to understand its nature. And then we look at Jesus to learn. Most of his life was hidden, but living in the world, not isolated. He lived among the people of Nazareth who knew him. They thought he was very casual to them. In the sense, they, yeah, we know who he is. It's the son of Mary. We know his family. You know, we know all about him, they thought. So Jesus mingled with the people. He lived as one more 
in that town. And yet, he was fighting Satan and redeeming the world in that ordinary life of Nazareth. Then among his disciples, teaching them and teaching the people, very much mingling with the people, going from town to town, and then onto the cross. He never retrieved himself from the world. He came to bring the world back to God. So every step he lived, he did in heroic love. And that was the theme of last week's teaching by Lourdes. Remember when she spoke about a husband returning from work who proceeds to be attentive to his wife, to his children, where his tendency will be to just go and have a beer and forget about everything and, and say, I'm tired, I don't want to hear anything, much less to hear screams and hear problems, um, what his wife has gone through during the week uh, and so during the day. So this is the heroic love of mingling with others, listening to others that the Lord has given us, especially those who are closest to us. And it's always a big challenge to do so. And it's precisely in this front that holiness is lived. So Jesus taking his disciples to rest, what happens? He finds that the multitude got there before him. There's going to be no rest. Does he get angry? He deserves to rest, but his heart is so full of the love of God that he doesn't complain. He goes on to teach them and he feels pity for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. What an amazing heart is the heart of Jesus. And he's drawing us to his heart. His heart is not a refuge in the sense that we're going to escape the challenges of the world. Entering into the depth of his heart makes us to be like him, given bread to be eaten. Mother Teresa who was truly a contemplative woman, she said, let the people eat you up. That's what they did to Jesus. This is what we'll, they'll do uh, with us in our ordinary life. And that's the life of mothers and fathers. And it should be the life of the priest. A priest is not a bachelor who has working hours and then retrieves into his own privacy to do whatever he wants to and, and play with his hobbies. He's a man for others. He's a true, if he's really a father. So that's how Jesus defeated Satan. Now the second line, I need souls willing to live in the world, but not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. 
Okay, so Jesus defeated Satan by becoming flesh and reclaiming all that is human to bring it out of the darkness to make everything of this world holy again by his touch and by our response. Even the most ordinary he makes holy. Jesus came not to destroy the world, not to condemn the world, but to redeem it. The word became flesh to save the world. So the world is the locus of holiness. That means it's the place, is the situation where we will become holy. Now, lo and behold, this week, Raniero Cantalamesa, the papal preacher, gave the Lenten retreat. And guess what was his theme? It was Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, Cantalamesa notes, after saying, do not be conformed to this world, you would expect Jesus to say, so go ahead and transform it. But instead, he tells us, transform yourselves. You see, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So don't allow the world to conquer you. You be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and your mind is renewed by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really um, a grace that we are not left alone to fight demons here in the darkness, but we are giving a life-transforming spirit, and the transformation begins in the mind. Transform yourselves. Transform the world, yes. But the world that is within you first before thinking of transforming what is outside. So be in the world, but not of the world. You are of God. You are enlightened by the Holy Spirit. You have knowledge that comes from above, you are being divinized, and therefore you can make an impact in the world. The third line of what the Lord told Lourdes, souls, or, or saying we should be souls who receive the brokenness of other souls and suffer for them as one with me. Solely for love. So souls that receive the brokenness of others and suffer with them. 
my friends, my dear family, when others hurt us, that's when we want to run away. We know that. We have experienced that. We have a trouble with someone, with a, even in, in, with people that we love. They hurt us. We were treated unkindly. We were treated unjustly. Whatever hurt us. Nobody likes to get hurt, especially when we already have enough hurts. So we take flight. We are tempted as we take flight to make it seem religious to our mind. And so we're tempted to cover up with piety our flight. And that's how we can become fake saints. Remember that from the path? That is so real. It's so so common. We have beautiful, pious ways of feeling that, oh, we are, we're doing this to be closer to God. We're doing this to be more contemplative. And uh, really, we just don't want to suffer, which is understandable. But we have to remember our mission. So we want to be either in a mystical tower or at least surrounded by those we find lovable. But we just heard a couple of days ago Jesus in Matthew 5.43 telling us, I say to you, love your enemies. And, uh, well, I don't think right now I have any enemies, but look what Jesus goes on to say. Enemies are not necessarily people who are trying to kill you or to hate or that hate you uh, in a way that uh, calls into a physical battle, but people who just don't like you or people who ignore you, people who you feel uncomfortable with. The Lord goes on to say, for if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not tax collectors do the same? I remember some years ago, a, a mafia boss was convicted and his neighborhood was shocked. Why? Because he was the nicest guy. Everybody saw him walking his dog and he was kind to everyone, to the children. He was generous. Uh, they couldn't believe it. So what was going on? This man was a, a murderer, had destroyed the life of many people, but he wanted to also live in a neighborhood where he was liked, where he was around with people he, he also liked. And that doesn't take any merit. That's just <laughs> what the flesh wants to do, even if you are a mafioso. So 
the Lord says, there's no merit in that. And if you greet your brother and sister only, what is unusual about that? The pagans do the same. You know, sometimes we, we see it, you know, even it could happen to us in our in our um, encounters. We gravitate to two or three or four that we know better. And, uh, you know, it's hard to to reach out to others and to get to know other others in the community. So it's a calling by, by the Lord. And then the, the Lord uh, goes on to say to us, be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that can be, sound discouraging, right? But he's not telling us to be perfect already now. He's telling us, be perfect, meaning start walking towards it. That's your goal. That's where you're going. That's heaven. And you're getting closer as you believe it and you trust in my power. So how does the Father reveal his perfection? By sending his only son to the world while we were still sinners. He comes to us. There's no other way to bridge the gap with people that are difficult for you for whatever reason than to embrace the cross. That's what Jesus did while we were still sinners. He bridged the gap by dying for us on the cross. The only way we can get out of ourselves and enter into a broken world and love wounded people, people who hurt us, is through the power of the cross that pierces our hearts, that wounds our hearts, that causes us suffering. And that's how we become perfect. That's how Jesus did it. This is how Jesus revealed the perfection of God. So let me repeat that. The perfection of God is revealed in the love of Christ that embraces the cross and bridges the gap and loves the unloved. He received the brokenness of all. He suffers with all. He now asks us, will you be one with me? Receive my love so that you can love others as I love. And that is what Lourdes received. Souls who receive the brokenness of others and suffer with them as one with me solely for love. Keep on gazing at the Lord. My friends, my family, if we don't gaze upon the Lord, if we don't spend quality time focused on Jesus, which might be hard at first, which might be a, a, a strong discipline at first, but you take your Bible, you take the path, and just be there and ponder and read and then just ponder, and, and you'll see how more and more you will receive this crucified love that will make you capable of loving this way.
So the fourth line, souls immersed in the darkness of the world to fight as my soldiers of light and against demons. Yes, the world is in darkness. Why? Because it's broken from the Creator. We have done this, brought about this access of Satan to the world. But we have the mission to go into the darkness being light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And the light is not put under the bed. It's put in top in a chandelier or in top of a mountain so that it shines to, to all. We cannot hide ourselves. We don't boast. We don't draw attention to ourselves. But we need to radiate the presence of God by our very being. So souls immersed in the darkness, that means getting into the hurt, the brokenness, uh, mingling with the world, but not being of the world. In this, I was, um, I was very um, impressed by something that Cantalamesa uh, said in his uh, retreat. He said, um, see if I find it here. We already know from the New Testament which world not to be conformed to. It is not the world created and loved by God. And not the people of the world whom we must always go out to meet especially the poor, the downtrodden, and the suffering, blending in with this suffering and marginalized world is, paradoxically, the best way of separating ourselves from the world. Why? Because it means going in the direction from which the world flees as much as possible. In other words, what we consider the world, I mean, the world that is in darkness, the world that is away from God, that world wants nothing to do with the poor, with the suffering, with the uh, people that are hurting. And so when we go into the world that is broken, to bring the love of Christ, we are doing the opposite of the world. That's the paradox. It means separating ourselves from the very principle that rules the world, which is self-centeredness. And so, how do we run from the world? By renouncing self centeredness and loving as Jesus loves, becoming one with him. So souls immersed in the darkness of the world 
to fight as my soldiers of the light. What a paradox. We enter the, the darkness, but we go always disciplined, connected. Woe to us to try to do this on our own energy. We would be fools. Number five, the five point, the fifth point. These are my hidden victim souls in the world, living through me, with me, and in me. Hidden victims, souls in the world. Now, we don't have to try to hide. Just live every day without trying to be the center of attention, without boasting. So much of the conversations among people are simply ways to try to, try to attract attention to ourselves, to feel that we are important, that we are doing great things, and so on. And so when we are happy being who we are, and we don't have to put on any airs and just be transparent and be one with Christ and in loving others, we become hidden victim souls in the world because we're one with Christ living through me, with me, and in me, says the Lord. Our lives are hidden in the sense that they are ordinary, unrecognized by most. We don't seem to have an impact in the world. Our flesh would prefer to be admired heroes. I mean, if we're going to be victims, let's at least get some credit for it. That's how the flesh thinks. Let's get some applause, some recognition. But we don't need it. We, we have the love of the Father. So the essence of holiness is hidden to the world, even though it is in the world. It is Christ's love in us. So we must trust and be led by the Spirit. How am I doing that in my present trials? Are you going through a trial right now? Think about what is your trial at this moment? What is the thing that you're struggling with? Am I trusting and being led by the Spirit? Or am I spinning ideas and anxieties and trying to control the situation and solve the situation on my own without even listening to the Lord? So we live through, with, and in Jesus, listening, and he will show us. It's interesting. Today, today, a letter came out of the uh, Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, alarmed that there is a new Pelagianism going on. Pelagianism was an old heresy, and it's spreading again. What is this heresy? Well, the letter says it refers to individuals who believe themselves to be autonomous, who presume 
to be able to save themselves and their own, and on their own strength. And, and maybe I say, no, I'm not really that way. But I tell you from, in some degree that it's so pervasive, so universal. This is part of our fallen nature. We want to be in control. We want to solve things. And when things are not in my control, when something happens that has really unsettled my life, my securities, how do I behave? Pelagianism. We want to uh, be in control because at the end, we don't really trust God and we don't realize how dependent we are, whether we have a million dollars in the bank or we are a million dollars in debt. Presuming to save ourselves, to resolve ourselves, to make our life good because we're worrying so much and, and doing so many things. And then the letter says that our fallen nature finds it hard welcoming the newness of the Spirit of God. And I think all of us in Love Crucified have to become more and more aware of the newness of the work of the Holy Spirit because we see it, the Spirit of God, working in our lives. Matter of fact, one of the things that we need to do in the encounter, and I encourage you all to start doing it, uh, bring your diaries. While you're writing what God is doing in your life, um, and so you have a t time to go, look back and see the changes that God has done in your life, where he's leading you, this is very important. In fact, um, Cantalamesa mentions that if we don't seek to remember and bring it to mind, we cannot go forward. We have to see, Lord, what are you doing? What have you taught me? What have I learned in this past years in this past time that I have been in the community and we see uh, the renewal of our minds. He teaches us a way that we would not have before considered. The Lord is teaching us what we would have never considered before because we had no horizon in that direction. So let's continue. So the sixth point and the last point. My little one, Satan will try many tactics to move your heart from the desire of my heart. I am forming you, plural, as my warriors of the great battle. Again, we, we talked about, we already talked about the tactics of Satan, and since we honestly want to be of the Lord, it's rather unlikely that Satan will tempt us with something outlandish, something extravagantly evil. 
He's not stupid. Oh, so you want to be holy? Look, this is the path to be holy. And will present us with many things that, if we're honest, we can realize where they're coming from. This is the enticement of the flesh. That's what we really want. To move our hearts away from the desires of the heart of Jesus. I mean, an example of this, the disciples loved Jesus. They were following. They could have said, you know, we left everything already. What else do you want? And so they were not open to receive the word from Jesus about what was going to happen in Jerusalem. No, this cannot happen, you know. And Jesus keeps on repeating it, and they keep on just ignoring it and coming up with their own uh, presentation of how things should really happen. No, it cannot happen this way. It has to happen this way because that's the way that my flesh wants it. And they were all, I'm sure, good things, you know, be sitting at his right hand, at his left hand. What mother doesn't want that for her sons to be right next to Jesus? Sounds magnificent, but it's the way of the flesh. They didn't, they did not know what they were asking. And so, we should learn about the tactics of Satan from Scripture, from the lives of the saints, from our experience in the community, the teachings in the community, and also from our own experience. You know, when people go to confession, I always tell them, Jesus is forgiving you, but also Jesus is giving you power so that you don't fall in the same pit again tomorrow. So be attentive because you can be sure that Satan is going to try again because those are your weak points. So learn from your experience and beware. Okay. And finally, on the sixth point, because we're running out of time, we need to know our enemy. If you're doing battle, you, you need to know his wiles, he, the, the, the sagacity, the intelligence. Don't try to discuss uh, Father Ron said that last week. It's very wise. Don't try to argue with Satan. Don't try to play chess with Satan. You're going to be flattened out. It's just too smart for you and for me. Our only way for victory is to be docile and obedient to the Holy Spirit who comes up with things that we would have never imagined. And that's how we checkmate the enemy. So the battle to be one must be that we know the Lord, we know his power and his direction, so we're not afraid of the devil, because God is almighty. No matter what tribulations we're going through, we know the Lord is God, and we must know his battle plan and how to implement it in our daily life. We need self-knowledge, and we need to want what God wants us to be. I want this, Lord. I don't feel it. I'm not inclined in the flesh, but that's what I want. And then you have to be disciplined and focused on it. Now, and with this I finish. 
To be disciplined includes very concrete things. The time to get up, the time to pray, your time with the Lord in the Eucharist. And I tell you, Satan will try everything to block that out. I'm too busy, I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. And we minimize, we mitigate our time with the Eucharist to the minimum. And when we're there, we're mostly uh, sometimes just thinking about when is it going to be over. So what I do, I bring my um, my timer, and I know at 8.15 is when I have to leave to go to Mass. So it doesn't matter to me if it, that if time goes fast, if time goes slow. I don't have to worry about it because I'm going to be there until the ringer rings. Until the phone rings, I'm just going to be focused on the Lord. I don't have to worry. So I'm all yours, Lord. So that is the kind of discipline that we need. Discipline to share with the family, to be attentive to those God has given us, to listen to them, to suffer them, because sometimes it's not something that you like. Time to work. Time for accompaniment. I mean, your accompanier doesn't, should not have to be coming after you. It's been two months. It's been too long. That's, that's not the characteristic of a warrior, a soldier that is focused. He needs to be attentive and get direction and get accompaniment. And finally, we also need to know when to finish the cynical and go to sleep. God bless you all.